0: Last week, we started talking about what I'm calling the, uh, the keys to vital Christianity. Really, we're going for, for three weeks here talking about really some things you already know, I already know, but the truth is, we need to be reminded of them from time to time because we forget. We, we go about life and, and we start to think differently than what we find in, in what we're talking about today. And they are first, what we talked about last week, was being clear about your mission. And you remember we talked about the mission is our purpose here on earth we are to be doing the things that jesus was doing while he was here and when he left he told us to do and we talked about the remember the great invitation come draw people towards me so we do that we follow him and in doing that we draw other people towards him then there was the great invitation remember and then there i'm sorry the great commandment you know love one another love god and love one another and then there was the great commission in doing that make disciples all right So our purpose, our mission, is to be doing those things. And remember what we talked about. You know, if you're doing something, if you have a purpose in life, and you don't know what that purpose is, how do you know to do the things that'll get you to that purpose? If you're in a marriage, and you don't know what it means to have a good marriage, and you have a goal in that marriage, how will you be able to do the things that take the steps to get you to where you want to go? That's a mission. We need to be clear about our mission here as the church. Now the second one is making it all about people, being focused on people. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We started by talking a little bit about that last week, being focused on people. And then finally next week, we're gonna finish with being willing to do the difficult tasks, being willing to take the narrow path, the less traveled path, clear about our mission, focused on people, being willing to do the difficult things. All right, that's what we're talking about. Okay, today, this uh, fundamental principle. Oh, by the way, in your bulletin, there's a set of sermon notes in there. You can follow along in there. If there's anything that's said today that you wanna uh, jot down, uh, that's always my hope that God's talking to us. Just jot that down and it'll be there for you later. Okay, being focused on on people. If we are, if our goal is to make disciples, if we're trying to uh, uh, go, go somewhere, be the church, and have people follow us and make disciples, we have to care about people. If we're going to fish for people, if we're going to draw them in, we have to care about people. And you know this. I said it last week. You have to care about people. People do not care what you know until they know that you care. People don't come to your church and they don't become faithful followers of Jesus Christ because of the incredible doctrine and sacraments that we speak about and that we act out. No, they don't do that. They come to church, they become followers the same way most of us become followers, and that is because there was a Christian who showed genuine care towards them, who understood, uh, th- there were Christians who understood you and cared about you and they were authentic about it. And over time, in the building of that relationship, they got to a point and they said, hey, you know, I, I am actually interested in, in this God that, you know, you, you praise. I'm interested in what's going on there, all right? It's fascinating the way this works, all right? Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, I always have to say this, It's not that we don't have to have good doctrine and sacraments, we have to have those. We have to be able to say the words that make a good argument for our faith. We have to be able to do that, okay? We need to be able to make that case. But it's fascinating the way it works and it's fascinating the way Jesus does it. Jesus' evangelism plan has to do with the good works that we show, the way we treat each other. That's the very beginning, all right? uh, Acts of love and kindness towards people that draw people toward us. That's why John says this, dear children, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now I want to give you some history here because the church has gotten in trouble in this area. We've lost our way. And and here's the situation, you know, over the centuries, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. He came, he walked, he taught, he lived with us, he showed us what we needed to do. He was very clear about it. And the church did that for centuries and centuries. And we know that because of what was left behind, what the saints that went before us, what they did. They had such an example of this new kingdom that the church was called to bring here on earth. What's left over are colleges and universities and hospitals and orphanages and and, uh, the Salvation Army and the Red Cross. We have all these things that they left for us. And here's what happened. As they lived out that example of the new kingdom that Jesus called them to bring into this world they were setting an example that planted seeds. The fruit of those seeds were the influence in the culture. So as the church was out loving people and doing its work, what happened is the church also had influence in law, and medicine, and science, and government, and the arts. You know, if you live in the Western world today, that is if if you're in Europe or America, if you're in these areas, and you have a job, and you might not even know who the Lord is, you may not be a person of faith, but you can't help admit, but the things that you do in your life that have meaning are from a Christian heritage of a country or, or a place that was born out of that. Everything that we do today is shaped by that Christian heritage. But here's, here's where we went wrong. Somewhere in the 20th century, we, we stopped building the orphanages and the colleges and the hospitals. And we started building really nice big churches. And instead of being out there and being that loving example of that kingdom that we're called to bring on earth, we started to create that kingdom in here. And here's what happens. No loving example of the new kingdom that we're called to be the church and bring here on earth. No influence in culture. These two things go hand in hand. You can't not do this one and still have this one. And that's where the church went wrong. The church, although it stopped doing these things on grand scale, in a grand way, it continued to assume its influence on culture. And what happens when you have somebody that doesn't do what they say? It's called hypocrisy. That's why whole generations have turned away from the church. And I love the way Phil Cook puts it in his book. Phil Cook in his book says, the church has become the fat guy in the gym telling everybody else how to get skinny. Phil Cook says, you know, everybody in the church is wearing yoga pants, but nobody's doing the exercises. (laughs) See, this is where we lost our way. So we've gotten to this point today where our younger generations look at the church and they say, the last thing that I want to hear from the church is anybody telling me how to live my life because we haven't set the example for them. That's why we have to return to that. That's why we have to pay very close attention to these, these key characteristics of the vital church, knowing what our mission is and being very clear about it, and focusing on people. Because until we start to live that life of the new king- kingdom, until we, uh, until we start to be that example over and over and over again and refuse any credit for it, And when the opportunity to influence comes to us, we turn and walk the other way. We just love and love and love over and over again. Think about Jesus. Every time he did a miracle, what did he do? He went to the person and said, I know you can see now, but here's what you got to do. You got to go to the priest and you got to show yourself to them. And then you got to make the sacrifice that Moses commanded you. But don't you tell anybody that I did this. Jesus feeds 5,000, right? And they're ready to make him king. They're ready to do everything. And what he does is he, he bolts. He takes off. He goes to a solitary place. And the next line says, and the fervor around him grew all the more. So what we have to do is we have to be this loving picture of Jesus, and we've got to love people and then retreat, and love people and retreat, and love people and retreat. And when we do that, and we do it with humility in the way that Jesus did it, People will not be able to stay away from this place because Jesus made it all about people and he loved them and cared for them in an authentic way and they found faith. So when I tell the kids here this morning and I show them the pictures of the birds and stuff and and Jesus says that in this world they will know you are mine, they will know you are Christians by the way you love other people, I think sometimes they get it better than we do adam hamilton tells a great story about and and we all know people who do this right we all know people who love love people that way they're investing in people they're loving people they connect with people at that level they do these things they show love towards other people they don't expect anything in return and then that opportunity comes someday when they say you know what, what about that church you go to i see you pulling out your driveway every sunday But Adam Hamilton tells this story. It's a great story. I probably mentioned it here before. He had a a lady in his church who was 80 years old. Her name was Marty. And, you know, Marty was the daughter of a Methodist preacher. She'd been in in the church all her life. But here's the thing about Marty. Marty's not going to jump on a plane and go to Costa Rica and do construction work. But Marty can bake bread. And Marty can make the best bread and cinnamon rolls or or, uh, sticky buns that you've ever had in your life. And everybody were asking for this bread and these sticky buns uh, that Marty would make, you know, and Marty would go and she would leave them on uh, a member's stoop when they were sick or something that, with a little note that would just melt your heart, you know, and she would go and do that. And then she had all these younger women coming to her in the church saying, "Uh, Marty, how do you make this bread? You know, my, I just got married, my husband loves that bread, I gotta figure out how to make that bread. So what she started to do, is she started to make these classes. And at first in her home, and then it got too big, she moved to the church, and She'd make this list, you gotta bring this kind of pan, you gotta bring the flour, the butter, you gotta bring all these things, you come and I'm gonna teach you how to make bread. And when she got to the church, she'd give them all a silly frilly apron to put on and they would all just be standing around and, and then they would they would mix things up and they would knead the dough, they would do all this stuff and then it would come to a point where they had to let the dough rise. She's like, well, we gotta let the dough rise. Let's sit down and get to know each other. So they'd all sit down in a, in a circle in their, in their silly aprons, you know, and they would just, Marty would just have them go around. To, uh, tell me who you are and where you came from and you know, why you're here and that kind of stuff. And he'd go the whole way around the circle and he'd get to Marty and Marty would then tell him her story. She said, well, I was raised a, a Methodist preacher's daughter. I've been here for a certain number of years and this is what the church means to me and that's why I'm here with you today. And uh, you know, it's just the most incredible thing. And if you wanna know any more about John Wesley, here's one of his sermons that's my favorite. You know? And she would, she'd give him a copy of a sermon. And then she'd say, oh, dough's done. I think we better get back to work. And then he'll get back to work. And she would do this over and over and over again. Marty would share this with these people. Marty never looked at them and said, are you saved? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, if you die tonight, you're going to heaven? No, she never said any of that. She just told him her story while the dough was rising. that's how it works that's, that's how it works you bake bread with other people you tell them your story and you give them something to eat does that sound like anybody you recognize in the gospel handing out bread and telling stories it doesn't take a sermon you just spend time with people you know what Marty was doing? she was fishing she was fishing for people so the question for you is, who do you have influence with? Who, who is your circle of people? Who, who can you be a Marty to? And I, that, you might not be able to bake bread. That might not be it. Maybe you mow grass. Maybe you change oil. Maybe you sow. Maybe you garden. How can you use that love in your life? How can you use that gift to go do it? Because our scripture tells us today, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth okay? I'm here to tell you it's not optional. This is what we do. This is who we are. You know, and a lot of people come up to me in this church and other churches, they, they come to me, you know, and I preach, we change the world through acts of kindness and mercy and And you know, when you get around to it, you tell them about your faith, they go, oh, Pastor Tom, that's the one thing I can't do. I just can't evangelize. I can't tell me somebody about, tell anybody about my faith. That's that's too hard. I'm not comfortable with it. So let me ask you a question. Why are you here today? Think about that. Why did you get up this morning and do whatever you do in the morning and show up here for a ten thirty well, 1035 service? We're Methodist. All right? Why? Whatever answer starts to formulate in your head, that's the first part of your witness. I, know, I know some of the kids are going, dad made me. Mom, you know, I'm here because I have to. Some of you are saying, I came and I showed up today because this is where all my friends are. This is where I'm connected. I know if I don't get to see my friends and talk and have some of that nitro brew today, might, the rest of my week, it's just not gonna be the same. Some of you come here because you know that when you miss church, the rest of the week doesn't work. You feel hollow, there's a gap in here. You say, I need this because I find something here that makes my life have meaning. Whatever that answer is, that's the, that's the first part of your witness. You, you just wrote it in your heart. You just wrote it in your head. And the question is, why do you go there? So the second part of your witness is, let me ask you this. Why do you follow Jesus? What is it about Jesus Christ that you do come to church? And as you start to put that answer together in your head, that's the second part of your witness. All right? Now, this is somebody that you've already been baking bread or mowing grass with or planting trees with. So you've already got the relationship started. What's the third part of your witness? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Folks, that's how it works. That's how it works. That's how we love people. You know you, you know the old thing, you know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, right? Preach the gospel all the time, and when you have to, use words. That's the way it works. Because eventually what's going to come down is, you know, hey, I would love to go to church with you next week. I, I would like to hear more about Jesus. It's, it's not a hard thing. You know, and sometimes when you say those things, that first word is like, you know something, I noticed you're having a tough time. I, I, you know, I've seen the cars at your house, I knew what's going on, and luck." I'm a praying person, I believe in that, I'm praying for you. That's it. That's how it works. So I have to ask you, are you living this out? Is this who you are? Have you accepted that call? And because it's all about people, and that's why we do what we do here at Wayne Church. We put a lot of emphasis on be, being hospitable. I ask you, and I'm serious, at the end of church service, turn to the person next to you when you send that register down, introduce yourself, let them know it's a joy to worship today you might be the only kind voice they hear all week it's that important I mean that I really mean that because if you're a first-time visitor and you come in here and you see all this and you've never been here before this is overwhelming this makes people feel small we're used to it we love it that's why we're here all right we've got to turn to people and we've got to focus on them when they come into this place and they might feel a little bit threatened, they've got to hear your kind voice. You know, so you, what you have to do is you just have to walk over and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'll never forget, in my last church, uh, I was at Messiah Church up in Lafayette Hill, and they had their 50th or 60th anniversary while I was there. So I thought as a project, I'd go around and interview all the families, and I'd find out, why did you actually make this church your home? And it was a thriving, loving church. So I went around and I started to ask these Families. I went to the first family and I said, "Why did you Why did you end up making this your church home?" And they said, "Well, you know, it, it was a beautiful church. It had a nice lawn and everything. And then when we got inside, there was this lady named D who came and sat beside us. Okay, that's great. So I go to this other family and I say, "Why did you come to this church?" Well, you know, we moved into the neighborhood and the church was kind of new at that time, and we just thought we'd give it a try. And when we got there, there was there was this lady who came into church and sat down beside us. Her name was Dee. I was like, "Oh, all right." I got to about the seventh person, and I just said, uh, "Let me just tell you why I came to church. It was D, right?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, you know her." <laughs> and she was still in the church. She was in her mid-'80s, but then I started watching what she would do. She would wait in the back of the church, and everybody would come in and have a seat, And then when the first hymn was being sung, she already had her target picked out, and she was like a rifle shot. When everybody stood for that, she would come right in, and she would sit right down beside the person who wasn't sitting with any, anyone. And if it was a, a visitor, she knew that because she knew everybody in the church because she had filled half the church. So when that person sat down and they were all by themselves and they weren't going to move because the hymn was already being sung and she could sort that out, she would come in while everybody was standing and sneak into that and she would give them a big smile and act like she's the late Christian. I'm, so, I'm late, I'm late. You know. She, and then she would sit there and she would... She was the talker during church. you would be like, oh, here, this is, oh, that's our pastor, and oh, this. And then afterwards, what she'd do is she'd guide him out to where the coffee and stuff, and she'd introduce him to everybody. You couldn't help but come back to that church because of the person that Dee was. It was the most amazing thing. And she's still there doing the same thing. When I got there as the first Sunday pastor, who do you think came in and sat down beside my wife? That's what we do. It's what we do. Do you see the difference the little things can make? They make a huge difference. It's all about people. That's why we're always looking for new ways around here to fulfill that mission and be, be those people. That's why we have the compulsory team, which is the hospitality team. That's why everybody who becomes a member, becomes a member, and I tell them in Coffee with the Pastor, when you come, become a member, there's one team that everybody's a part of, and that's hospitality. And what they do is they bring the... You know, it's two or three families on a Sunday morning and they bring the bagels and everything. And that's also the family that is supposed to stand at the front door. If you didn't read your directions, read your directions because it says you join with these other families, you bring bagels, and you post somebody at the front door to shake hands and welcome everybody who comes through that door. That's the Marine Corps of, of Wayne Church. That's the front lines of ministry, okay? That's very, very important. And we all need to play a role in that. Some of us are better than, better than others. If you've got a family with a couple little kids, they're the best ones they have at the door because they're the best greeters ever. When you've got a six or seven-year-old saying, glad you could join us today, come on. That's why we do what we do. That's how we love. That's how we show that we care. All right? <laughs> There's other things that we do, too. The visitors, you know, the visitors used to write down their... Uh, address on the, on the, they don't write an address anymore, they just get an email address, so I send everybody an email, so glad you visited, hope you can join us again, when you come back, introduce yourself, I'd love to put the uh, name to a face, you know, and, and we do that all the time. They used to write down their uh, address, and what I would do after church, I'd get a little thing of cookies, and I'd go right out to their house, <laughs> and I, there would be the pastor they saw up front this morning, there I am standing with cookies ringing their doorbell, and they would open the door, and you'd see that look, it's like should have never put my name on that thing or my address (laughs) and i'd be like i'm not coming in i'm not coming in i just wanted to hey i'm so glad you visited us today here's some cookies just to show uh, you're welcome and if you're looking for a church home we'd love to be your family all right now what we do is we send the email you know and there's a couple of us in the church that do that and you get their name we send out the email so glad you could do it you know so here's the thing folks If we don't do that, the visitors that come to our church, when they leave and don't get that attention, they miss it. And they don't even know they miss it. They don't even know they miss it. It's huge. These little things that we do. It's the way it works. Nobody's ever, nobody ever turned me away. There were some people who didn't answer the door, but there was nobody who ever said, get out of here. They all said, thank you. I really appreciate this. You know, this is what I learned. The little things that I learned, my, my first job in, uh, in State College, I told you about this before, I worked at Bostonian Limited, and we sold the high end of everything, men's and women's uh, clothes and shoes, and, and I was a, a junior in college working there, and... I was poor, you know, and I worked with a guy named Pete. And Pete was in his 80s. He was an ex uh, sailor. He was in the Navy for a big part of his life. Pete smoked. He should have never done that. He eventually passed away from that. But, but I would be there working on a Tuesday afternoon between classes, you know, and somebody would come in and they'd look around and, and we were, we were uh, high service. So we were right there. We were like, hey, glad you could come in today. What can I help you with? And uh, half the time they would say, is Pete in? <laughs> and I'd say, no, but I'm here. <laughs> and I'm (laughs) poor, and I get paid on commission. (laughs) You know, they'd say, oh, no, no problem. I'll come back when Pete's here. I'd be like, really? Over and over, this would happen. Pete would be in the next time, and we'd be sharing a shift, and I'd say, hey, Pete, you know, this lady came in, uh, kind of salt and pepper hair she had on this boiled wool sweater that was beautiful, and nice shoes. Oh, yeah, that's Betty. I know her. She'll be back. I'm like, yeah, I know she'll be back, because when I told her you weren't here, she left. (laughs) And eventually, I was like, why? You know, why aren't they doing this? Why, why don't they let me sell them some shoes He said, like, come on kid so I go back in the back of the store there are these huge racks of shoes just shoes, shoes, shoes he pulls out this one box this one shoe box it's his desk inside he had thank you notes and, and uh, he had stamps and envelopes and he had a, a pen in there and what he did is he says "I sell her, I sell her Betty a pair of shoes I come back here say Betty I just want to thank you so much for allowing me to wait on you today I hope you have the best week ever, your friend Pete. And he looks at me and says, kid, they're never going to let you wait on them. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's exactly the way it works. That's why we do what we do. It's these little things over and over and over again. Emails, notes, cookies, all of these things. Every time we have a first Visitor here, and we don't respond that way. They miss it, and they don't even know they're missing out. That's why the ministry teams do what we do here. That's why we have ministry teams. May 3rd is our special day of the year. You can just put it put it in that mental calendar right now. May 3rd is Team Commitment Sunday. So when we're going through Lent, we're going to enter Lent in uh, a week from Wednesday. What's gonna happen is we're gonna go through Lent, we're gonna go right into that time where we come forward and we offer to God that team commitment card that says, here's what I'm doing in action and word, in action and deeds for you this year, Lord. So put that in there. We do that because that's a big deal. And it's very important we do that. You know why, people, you know why churches lose a lot of people? Because they never get connected to doing. It's exactly the way it works. Here, because here's what happens. If you have somebody come to one of our events here let's say we're having a dinner and there's, people, there's plenty of people to help make the dinner and they're all making the dinner and they're doing their thing and that person's there, what can I do? Oh, we got it taken care of. Well, maybe I could do this. No, we're, we're all good over here. You know what that person feels? They feel like that kid on the playground that is the last one picked for kickball. And you know what? They feel about this big and they never come back. If, if you're on a ministry team and you're so excited to do something and, and you never get a call that, that you're needed to work in that ministry team or, or they email and say, I, I'm on this team, what can I do? I, or, uh, you know, here I am, what can I do? And they never hear back. They say, well, I guess they don't need me. It. It's the number one reason why p- like churches lose people. Look, folks, we're going over these... These key characteristics because we just need to know how to do church better all the time. We can always get better at it. We can always take care, whether it's greeting a visitor or bringing a bagel or whatever we do. Why? Because Jesus asked us to. Why? Because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because Jesus says, in this world, that's how they're going to know you're my disciples. Why? Because the day's coming. When you're the one who's going to be in need. And there's going to be people who come alongside you. Because you love the way Jesus taught you to love. I need you to ask to ask it, do you get this? Do you know what I'm saying? It's easy to say, I'll pray for you. It's easy to say these things, you know. But when we do something, that's it. And I'll tell you what, if you see somebody that's not here today or hasn't been here for a while, give them a call. It's another way we lose people. Because if they're not here and they don't get the call, well, they start to feel like it really didn't matter that much. And then if a certain amount of time goes by, then they get embarrassed to come back because then everybody will notice that they've been gone and they haven't noticed. (laughs) And that becomes embarrassing after a while. So you just pick up the phone. If if more people would do that, there would probably be more people back in the church than ever before. I'm just saying that we need to be responsible for each other and we need to be responsible for loving those people in that broken world out there that we've been given to to focus and care about people. To be clear about our mission and to focus on people. Because here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day of Christ appear. Would you pray with me?